Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talking, they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, Drew in the house tonight. A little bit of a skeleton crew here in the BS studios. Happy post-memorial day out, out there to everybody. Uh, thank you to everyone who has served and continues to serve uh, and protect our country. And thank you for those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good weekend for me. I'm full of uh, sunburn, dog scratches, crushed balls, and mosquito bites. It was a fantastic weekend. Was it? Yeah. That great? Huh? It was great, man. All the things you could ask for. How about you? Did you do anything fun on the uh, holiday? Uh, just hung around. Went to went to Drew's house. Watched a uh, pay per view for for wrestling. Nothing nice. you need to worry about. Yeah, uh, sounds great. And then we're, we were over my parents for uh, for Memorial Day. Uh, you know, just kind of sitting back and and enjoying the day. Carrie had to work, so they get the pool well, open. They got the pool open. It was a little too cool on the in the water to be jumping yeah, in. Yeah, that does surprise me. The we water bet. was about 69.70, so we were like, mm, no, you can dip your toes in, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> we got about waist deep in the pool at the at the uh, at the house, so it was. Uh, I can understand that. <laughs> it was pretty damn cold. <laughs> Drew, did you have a uh, good weekend? Oh man, uh, had a cookout on Monday, like Scott said, over for AEW. It was a fun time for a couple hours. Um, Randomly decided to get some geckos while we were at the <laughs> reptile nice. show on Saturday. That's a little interesting, learning about how to take care of them. They're pretty pretty nonchalant. I was going to say, they're pretty easy to they're manage. They're pretty easy to manage. But, yeah, yeah, pretty. it was a pretty good weekend. I feel like we accomplished a lot of things. Good, man. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, around the castle, the Ravens uh, continue OTAs this week. The headline, unfortunately, continues to dominate the news about Lamar not being there and his continued absence. Yeah, but, but with that being said, we're actually going to talk about OTAs and, and what we've heard and seen so far. And thank God, we're also going to get into the Ravens last week after a show on Wednesday. They they dropped the the wired session of the rookie minicamp. Yeah, some some interesting things that we're going to get into later about that. Yeah, and the birds may not be in the hunt for the ALE's crown, but there are glimmers of hope shining through for the future. Man, things look good as they went on the road uh, in the AL East and and took. Three out of five up in Boston. Hell yeah. yeah. 14 and 16 on the year or on the on the month in Miami or May. Month of May. Yeah. Glimmers of of hope that hope there. Uh, You wanted to give a little shout out before we get into our sponsor. Before we do the the sponsor, got to give a big congrats out there to the Maryland men's Terps lacrosse team winning the national title. Uh, Yeah. Kudos to you guys, man. It was. uh, it was a fantastic year, man. A historic year. The most obviously they went wire to wire, undefeated. They've only lost one game in the past two seasons. Yeah. That being, you know, a, a national championship game last year. They were dominant. Yeah, this was. Uh, it, it, it wasn't easy. That national no. championship. Kudos to uh, Cornell. You know, this was a uh, a game that I think many experts expected the the Terps to just kind of roll through. They ended up winning. It was nine to seven. 
but again, it was one of those teams, man. They were destined uh, for big things because the, the wins that they had throughout this year, they weren't just your one or two goal wins. They were absolute dominant wins all year long, and it was good to see them finally get over the hump and get well, it done. And the other, the other shout out to give too, right? Is Terps baseball. Yeah, Terps baseball goes and wins the Big Ten championship. They're holding a regional uh, setup at. at uh, College Park yeah. moving forward. Bob so Smith. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. And they, I mean, there's some people that are out there. I, I don't know how much you pay attention to the college baseball stuff, yeah. but with the church being in, I've been paying attention a little more than I usually do. I'll be honest. Last year and this year kind of really got me excited. The way they played last year didn't finish how they wanted to. This year they do. They're finishing how they want to. I'm excited. These guys have a real shot at a potential national championship. Yeah, they stumbled a little bit in the uh, the Big Ten tournament, unfortunately, which kind of affected, I think, their their ranking. They would have been a higher seed, probably would have been a top 10 seed or maybe a 10 seed. Uh, ended up being at 15 with that stumble. But nonetheless, this is a very good team, a powerful team. Uh, you know, they've got good pitching across the board. They're, they're a very complete team. So it is a team that can make a run for sure. Freaking raw power and, on that team, by the way. And you can't go without mentioning the Lady Terps. I know they fell short in the, uh, uh, in the final four, uh, but still a great year. Again, one loss on the, during the regular season. Give uh, me a hell yeah. Yeah, kudos to the Lady Terps. Uh, and, and just... Big things going on around the Maryland campus, man. It's exciting. I mean, if if all things come together the way that I know you and Ryan hope with the football program, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying national championship. <laughs> no, so let's go a little bit bigger in the bowl game. But, but we'll my see. point, my point in saying that is, is this starts Maryland starts to become a ultimate powerhouse yeah you know in, in every facet that if we can get the basketball game working out a little bit better than it has been you know the football game it needs to step it step up i think with this year with a lot of the recruits and stuff which i know you guys have been getting into on the shell and tell segments um so go check those out on our website uh www.birdlandbs.com you can check out the shell and tell episodes as they break down some of these players that <coughs> the countdown is back by the way yeah started doing that countdown to kickoff which is uh i believe today will be 94 days until kickoff yeah so ryan hopefully you're out there you got the 94th day post out there going <laughs> uh, i did not do that today uh but yeah it's a lot of fun a lot of people really enjoyed that last year you know a lot of these players that don't get talked about enough you know they like a little bit of recognition too so we try to hell yeah try to do it in this you know in a unique way well before we get into the ravens uh remember that team over at md crash uh, we've been telling you about them for the past two years guys i don't know why i have to keep doing this ad read <laughs> and you not take anything away from it you better because they've expanded again they've got more lawyers and they're handling a much broader spectrum of cases they're handling all of your all of your auto accidents and injuries and and work injuries of course as they were before but now the team at bowers hassan and herndon can help you with family law issues from divorce to custody to child support and even those criminal cases and traffic tickets or Maybe Fred committed murder while he whoa, was in Ocean whoa, City. No, I don't know. <laughs> no. I was fighting a puppy. I wasn't committing murders. Hey, hey, who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon can help you out on the, those cases like Johnny Depp's lawyers did. Hey, $15 million. Oh, Good whoa. on Johnny Depp. I know, right? Uh, but no, make sure you give them a call or text them 667-220-6500 anytime for any of your needs. Again, save that number and update your number in your phone. It's 667 220 Call or text anytime to get the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon on the case for you. All right, fellas, it's time for some flock talk. And like I said, it's the second week of OTAs, which I'm over 
the attention that OTAs gets, hence the title here. Just a little bit. Uh, bit. You got to talk about it because obviously the things that matter during OTAs is kind of getting your your first glimpse at some of these undrafted guys, some of the drafted guys, uh, some of the new look faces that are in, you know, Mm -hmm. figuring out the defense. You know, Marcus Williams came in, uh, so he's getting his first look into this defense. Those are the things I'm excited about. What I'm not excited to talk about is Lamar's absence. I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I'm not excited to talk about that right now. Uh, But one of the things that I guess was a sight for sore eyes is we got to see our first look at J.K. Dobbins in a while. Uh, You saw him on the sideline with Marcus Peters in in sweatpants hanging out. We saw Dobbins actually in the pool running in place Mm -hmm. in the pool, which is good. Uh, so it's it good to see that. I hadn't seen anything from J.K. Dobbins in quite some time. Neither guy was limping. That Very was key. a key. That was a key to me. Neither guy was limping, looked comfortable. Yeah. And they they appear to be t- taking it easy, right. right? Taking it slow and coming back right. Well, that was kind of part of the emphasis with the team and the changes they were making in the offseason this year was to, one, change the way that they were practicing to lessen the risk of injury. And I think they're going <laughs> to – Air on the side of caution with some of these guys who are coming back from major injury, yeah. especially major contributors like this. You know, these Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins are two of your key cogs that you're expecting to be a big part of this offense and defense this year. You yeah. want them back 100% healthy. You don't want any setbacks. Yeah, you want them to be able to come in and, and be comfortable. And hopefully, some of these guys will take a little bit of pressure off them. You know, you had you mentioned Marcus Williams, Marcus Williams arriving. Uh, you know, and he's coming in. The question mark was Chuck Clark. Obviously, Chuck Clark came out to OTAs, yeah. and and Marcus even said he's leaning on Chuck. You know, he's he's trying to listen to Chuck and get in the culture. It's a culture shock. We've heard it now from every single Raven that comes from another team to the Ravens. It's a culture shock. Yeah. Things are done differently here. We're going to get into some of the things that they do differently with the rookies a little bit later, but it's just, it's it's different. Yeah. And that's what you have to look at. So to have a guy like him come in, say, look, I'm leaning on this guy that everybody was wondering, is he out the door? I think it just goes to show that whatever happened, we don't know, but it, it appears to be behind everybody. Well, you know, Chuck Clark is, he's not stupid. I mean, he's changing his, his representation, obviously in preparation for if he does get traded, that it's yeah. in his best interest. Uh, so it's not completely gone yet, but kudos to Chuck Clark, man. I mean, for a guy who's, you know, been facing a lot of, you know, potential rumors of trades and that kind of thing for him to still come up, show up day one of OTAs, I think speaks a lot to him and his character. And this is kind of the, the behavior I expect from Chuck Clark and what he's demonstrated every year he's been here. Yeah. Uh, the social media, I think was just a small blip on the radar. It was an emotional reaction. Uh, and hopefully that's all it was. And that's the last thing we hear of it. I'd love to see Chuck Clark stay. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it is a position that we have a little bit of uh, depth at, and if we can get that back for some place like a wide receiver where we don't have a whole lot of depth, mm-hmm. it would be nice. But we'll entertain that when that problem happens. But another thing, we talked about injuries, right, and players coming back a little too soon. We saw Nick Boyle come back last year after what was a pretty devastating injury to his yeah. leg. He didn't look like the Nick Boyle of old. No. You know, he – didn't have the speed. He didn't he have the strength. Yeah. He looked to me like he may have come back a little bit too early last year. But 
Giro in his press conference says he looks like a new guy this year, looks really good, commended him for being at OTAs now. Again, this is another veteran who doesn't necessarily need to be there, yeah. but he's a guy who feels like Reps. he's behind the eight ball a little bit. They just drafted two, two. tight ends, right? We know what they do. Every, when they draft tight ends, they typically draft two, and they always keep them in the fold. So is Nick Boyle's days numbered? I don't know. But the best thing for him to do is show up, show he is healthy, and show why they paid him the money to be the blocking tight end for this team. Yeah, and, and ho hopefully, you know, it, it translates. I, look, you mentioned the two guys, and we're going to get into those guys later, but, you know, they aren't, they aren't looking bad themselves. Right. So that, that starts to... You know, you're starting to see some of these spots. You're talking about the, the secondary. You're talking about the tight end group. You're starting to see some spots that you're going... There's going to be some real competition because there's no Absolutely. way we're carrying all these guys at all these spots. We can't. And hopefully, knock on wood, that's what it comes down to is a decision, competition, not, well, it's injuries. Thank God we have depth. Like, I want right, it to come exactly. down to the best players make the team because everybody's healthy yeah. and we have to make some tough decisions at that yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Ho and hopefully, some of those guys were able to stash. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're only able to stash a few, but if we're able to stash some of those guys, some of these guys, I think are going to be fairly valuable down the road uh, because they may they may just be one or two pieces away from being an impactful starter. Right. Well, one of the positions uh, that has been a, a question mark in Ravens flock fans for most of them is outside linebacker, the edge rushers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a guy that we saw a little bit of glimmer last year was a fourth round pick out of Notre Dame and Dalen Hayes. We saw him in training camp last year. Look good. A lot of coaches said that some of his ability, his explosion, his ability to actually impact the rush uh, and get into the backfield stood out more than they expected last year. Yeah. Unfortunately, his year was also cut short due to injury. Well, he's back. I sense a theme. He's back, uh, and they seem to be picking up right where he left off last year because multiple reports of him being very active in the backfield, creating pressure. Yeah. I wanted to get your take on, on Dalen Hayes, Drew. What do you think about his chances of actually getting a decent amount of run with this team considering the lack of depth that we have there? Yeah, I, it, it, it is interesting because, like you said, it, his – you're hoping he's not like an injury riddled guy. I'm not putting that label on him yet. It's mm -hmm. just it is a thing. Like, too early because it happened in training camp two weeks, so he didn't even really get the reps in training camp as much because he kind of got hurt at the end and started the season injured. So you're you know that just to say like you hope that that's not a thing, but like I I am not worried. Like he wasn't a first round talent. Like it is later on in in, in the draft. So like I I I'm gonna give him a little bit of a leash. Me myself. Like yeah. let's see what he can do. Hopefully, like you said. Like I said, uh, uh, keeps it keep it smooth, no injuries, and he can get all the reps in preseason games and training camp, and hopefully be a piece. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, my expectation is him to be a rotation piece. Can he when he gets the opportunities? Can be can he be impactful? The hope is we end up bringing Justin Houston back, right? Yeah, I think Justin Houston in this Mike McDonald defense. Paired along second year, second year Odafe away, you know, another year in the system. <laughs> Developed Odafe away, yes. Right. You get a guy like Dalen Hayes into the mix who can keep Justin Houston uh, healthy, healthy. Yeah. keep him healthy and and have energy, you know, keep yeah. his stamina there because he's taking reps away from Justin Houston and let him be that pass rush specialist that he can be. Because, again, having this, this secondary healthy – is going to make a world of difference with these edge rushers because they're not going to be able to get the ball out as quickly. 
You know, yeah. because our, our our corners are back, our secondary is more lethal. These guys are going to be locking these receivers down, which is going to give those edge rushers more time. And if you can help that by keeping Justin Houston off the field a little bit and keep him fresh, that's only going to benefit yeah, things. You have to the other the other thing you have to look at that with that is you know it, with Mike McDonald, right? We talked about this when he came on board, and you were the one that kind of pointed it out. Was at Michigan, he ran a, a, a setup that was. It relied dependently on the or uh, heavily and heavily dependent on the the linebacker core. Yeah. Right. And that's one of those things that if you to your point, if you can get that that stance up front, mm-hmm. you can get that pressure up front. That allows some of these guys. One guy which he named during the press conference, which is Patrick Queen, it allows him to kind of take it to the next level. You also can see a Dalen Hayes. We talked about the two of them kind of being paired at times. And if they're both out there, it would be crazy to see that because they they seemed like the, the tandem could be really dominant. Right. They could still do that. We need to see Dalen Hayes come back. But, you know, Queen has Mike McDonald's attention saying that he's he's the game is slowing down for him. Yeah. It's getting more comfortable. And that's what you want to hear for a guy that had some struggles. You made the move. He had improvement, clear right. improvement, right. but now you're saying the improvement's even more? Right. And the thing is you got to keep in mind with Patrick Queen, I know our expectations were super high with this kid because he was a first-round draft pick, and rightfully so, right? You realize Patrick Queen is actually younger than Odafe, yeah. right? It doesn't feel like that because Patrick Queen feels like he's been around for four or five years now. one year <laughs> as a starter at LSU. Exactly, right? So he's still learning the game. He's still coming along. Uh, and then again, the defensive line. We got more athletic. We got more. We got more strength. We got quickness off the snap. I think mm-hmm. we're going to see an improvement interior pass rush as well. So, I think all those things are going to come together. The biggest, obviously, you know, concern is yeah. keeping everybody healthy, uh, and hopefully that's that's an issue we don't have to worry about this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that I know a lot of people are, are curious about, and it's not you know it's not something that you're used to talking about during OTAs, but how's the punter doing? Uh, <laughs> Jordan Stout. Yeah. And everything we're hearing is it's looking pretty pretty good so yeah, far. Yeah, Chris Hewitt, the special teams coordinator, actually called him a triple threat because he's not just a punter. He's going to be the punter, he's going to be the holder, and he can actually be our kickoff specialist, which is only going to save Justin Tucker Tucker's from light. having yeah. to do that, right? So he, you're getting multiple you know uses out of stout which is big and if if they're already raving about those things this early in camp before you know Koch has really had a chance (laughs) to wrap his arms around him as a coach and help develop him this is only going to get better which is a huge huge sign for things with special it's definitely something that you want to see you want to hear especially when you say triple threat like all i think about especially the kickoff side of things and the way he's able to place punts yeah Imagine having a kicker that can place like not that Justin Tucker can't, right? But if you can place and pin on, on kicks, that can change a game. Absolutely. The one question about him though is how can he throw the football? Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam Cook can throw the football. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. You know, the Ravens—they always like to throw a little bit of trickery in there, and that's a part of the game that I'm sure. They're going to sorely miss having that punter out there that can make an accurate throw like that on those like fourth and five and fourth and six situations just to get that extra, you know, extra first down and continue to drive in the uh, in the inside. They, they probably got a trash can set up and have cook, have cook throwing with him in, in, in competition. OK, who, which one of us can get a trash can? Let's work on this. Hey, that's, right. literally, that's literally the only reason they kept cook around. 
Yeah. So we can teach him how to <laughs> right, exactly. We'll teach him how to and pass. If, and if that's one of the things that he improves his game Bye. on, I'm good with it, right? Duke says he did do a fake say at uh, PSU and didn't look too bad. All right. Yeah, well, that yeah, game can be improved yeah. even more. I like it, Googs. So we got to talk about the QB position. Let's talk about the quarterbacks that are here. Not named. So, Lamar. I was going to say, so the ones not named Lamar. I got exactly. It. The, the ones, ones that, the ones that you can very easily mix mix up their last names. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Huntley and Hundley. From a distance, they look very they look very similar. Uh, Lamar Huntley, right? We got to talk about QB two. He's looked really good so far uh, today. Reports were that he had a forty five yard touchdown pass to Bateman, beating Williams in coverage. The new yeah. free safety that we brought in. Uh, so that's good for Huntley and Bateman. I don't know so much for Williams. It's obviously it's OTAs, whatever. Take from take it for what it's worth. Uh, he did have a long touchdown pass to Josh Oliver, which is a guy that I know you talked a little bit about not getting a whole lot of opportunity last think, year. Yeah, I don't think he got as much as as we would have liked to have seen him last year. But now you, and he could be the odd man out right now. I was going to say now you got that tight end room filling up again, and yep. here we go again. The competition, right? You know, we we were talking just a few minutes ago, and we didn't even bring up Josh Oliver. Right, we didn't bring up uh, uh, a Poljak. Yeah, right. That's the other guy, like or Poljan. Sorry, Poljan. Poljak. Poljak. Poljan. Whatever. <laughs> See, there's no reason to know We can't get it right us. now. <laughs> yeah, right. But exactly. he, at this point, if he's even on the roster, I don't even know if he's on the roster. And if he is on the roster, he's like tight end seven at this point <laughs> yeah, at this with point, all the tight yeah. ends that we have. Yeah. Uh, but Jordan Stout. Jordan Stout's tight end. Six. <laughs> right. Right. So Huntley. Listen, I know a lot of people last year. We all kind of jumped on the Huntley train because I'll be honest with you, when he, he came good. in, he looked good, right? He didn't do anything for us to lose the games. The only thing that was missing is he didn't have that. Lamar has that that special talent, that extra gear. When things are, are tough, when they're down, he can take it up a notch or find another way to win a game or come back mm-hmm. in a game. That was the only thing with Huntley that I didn't see yet is he doesn't have that extra gear. I think he's a very good QB, too. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he's going to end up getting a quarterback job somewhere. He's going to end up being a starter somewhere. Listen, there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Baker Mayfield can't find a team to go play for. Like, There's plenty of guys that are going to be above and ranked above Huntley that he's not going to be a QB1. I am really happy having a Tyler Huntley as a QB2 in this system, considering it's basically a seamless transition that if Lamar, God forbid, God forbid, can't play or isn't here for whatever reason, <laughs> Huntley can come in and fill in in the offense seamless. So I don't I don't disagree at all, but here's here's what I would say about bringing in Brett Huntley. You bring in Brett Huntley. Right. And yeah, he's so this is the QB three now is, replacing basically Josh Johnson. Right. So it, it, it replaces Josh Johnson. And ultimately, you know, if you look back, um, Trace, McSorley. Trace McSorley, you know, in that sense. But we also you can't forget that we also are carrying Antoine Brooks. Mm. Or is it Anthony Brooks? I think it's Anthony Brooks, uh, the kid that was out of Oregon that we signed Anthony Brooks. So you, you've got now four guys that are helping you kind of go through the process. Yeah. I think Brooks, Brooks is more a like practice squad guy. Brooks is more like the Bahar, the the Kenji Bahar. Kenji Bahar. They, they kept yeah. bringing him in and out and in and out just because he was a familiar face with the system. But let me throw something your way, right? It's I'm not saying it's going to happen, right? But let's look at why you why you bring in Hunley first, right? He's an eight year veteran, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he was a fifth round pick by the Packers in 2015. 
saw the most action of his career in 2017 when uh, he had to come in for Aaron Rodgers and played in nine, started in nine games, went uh, three and six with a 70 quarterback, 70.6 quarterback rating. He threw nine touchdowns and 12 interceptions. It's not pretty. No. Right? Not good at it, all. It's it backup type situation, right? Clearly, yeah. or backup or less. The thing with him was he started against the Ravens, and this is why I think they got a, like, when he was out there, they were like, all right, let's 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 do this. 2017, he faced the Ravens. He went 21 of 36 for 239 yards, three interceptions, eh, in a 23 to no, uh, 23-0 Baltimore win. Now, he didn't put anything down, but it was at Lambeau Field, and that was also one of the first games that he actually came into for Aaron Rodgers. It was bad. It was bad. But Real bad. At the same time, you also got to kind of look at it and say, okay, he's seen us. He's played here. He knows it. He's played against the Seahawks, or he's played for the Seahawks. He's played for the Cardinals. He's played for the Colts, right? Are you trying to sell me on why Brett Hundley's a good choice for being a QB3 on this team? Because you're not doing a good job. The reason I think they brought him in is I think there's going to be some definite entertaining with Tyler Huntley during the preseason. You're going to entertain a lot of phone calls. So the only way that anything is entertained, again, is for a QB1 position. He is now QB2 solid locks. Yeah, no yeah. change in that. He's QB2. They're not. He's he's not. They're not going to trade him, or nobody's going to make a move for him to be QB two. It's a lateral. It's move, going to be right? a QB one. Yeah, he I would be a QB one. So the only way that that happens is if you get a team that gets riddled with injuries at the quarterback position, and they're desperate. And it would have to be a, a an offense that's similar to what the Ravens were doing, aka like the Cardinals or somebody like that. Down, you know, there's not a whole lot of teams that I think Tyler Huntley would be a seamless fit to be able to come in right out of preseason and be a day, you know a day one type of starter for them I, it takes time for them to learn the offensive system and I, I definitely i agree with that i understand that. that's why i'm also thinking during the preseason right i'm not saying preseason game four all of a sudden trades happen but it i think you're going to see after preseason game one he's going to get the majority of the snaps him it'll be him and and hunley maybe brooks gets a few but i think it'll be the two of them and ultimately, if it comes down to it, there's a lot of teams that don't know who their quarterback is this year. There's yeah, but there's teams. better options out there. You've got Jimmy G, who still needs to be traded or find a home. You've got Baker Mayfield, who needs to be traded. The, the Browns do not want to eat that contract. Regardless of what happens with Deshaun Watson, even if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the entire year, Baker Mayfield's not coming back and be like, okay, I'll suit up and play. Like He's not <laughs> no, playing it's that. not happening. He's done with, with Cleveland. So... He's got to be moved, right? I just think that there, if if that situation were to open itself where a team gets injured, an injury, and needs a quarterback, there's going to be better options than Tyler Hunt. I'm not saying there's not better options. But do you think the cost would be cheaper for that team? Well, yeah. I mean, Huntley obviously, proved, Huntley's Huntley, going to be much cheaper Huntley, under the Huntley cap. Pr- Huntley proved he is a serviceable quarterback yeah. being thrown in last year. I'm not saying year. it's not. Right. So my point with that is, is you're, I agree with you. Jimmy G, you know, Baker... But at the same time, if I go get if I can go get somebody that was actually doing really well compared to the other two names, I mean Jimmy G, yes, the injuries, he's getting older. That's what teams are going to look at. If I can have a young a young guy come in and how old be is Tom Brady? Like forty five? So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we really doing this? No, Did we do this once I'm kidding. In, in New I'm England? Kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, my my whole point is is I think I think it's interesting that they bring in. Given that you have Brooks, I think it's interesting that you bring in Huntley. I think it's a camp body. I think, yes, the, the the Ravens will probably carry three quarterbacks, and maybe that is Huntley, and he ends up being a practice squad stash. You'll see them elevate him you know, on days that maybe Lamar's questionable and that kind of thing. Uh, 
Josh Johnson was QB3 once Trace McSorley left, right? right. And I, I think that he'll fill that role. I don't think this has any impact on Tyler Huntley or Tyler Huntley potentially being traded. I think Huntley is a QB2, and unless he gets a bigger sample size, which nobody here in Baltimore hopes that that's a reality, no, to show that he can actually be and win games because he didn't win. You know, as, as, as much as he kept us in games, didn't give him a chance to win either. I get that. As much as he kept us in games and his statistics were were okay, uh, above what I would expect from a QB2 finally getting an opportunity, right? He hadn't played a whole lot. They were better than I expected, but he didn't win any games. You're not selling your point. I'm saying he didn't win any games. <laughs> the only way I see him ending up with a QB1 job is with a bigger sample size where he proves that he can win, and then a team will say, all right, now it's time to make a move, but... Again, I don't think that happens. Fair enough. Again, I, I, I'm just th I'm throwing the idea out there of why they bring him in, and I, I do think they're they're gonna field phone calls. I think teams are gonna wind up calling because either somebody's gonna get hurt. We, it, it happens every year. It's bound to happen. Someone, some quarterback gets hurt early we'll in the season. Yep. And even if it's even if it's early in the season, I think people would be picking up the phone because he's a cheaper option. He's gonna cost you less than it would for a Baker or a Jimmy G. That's my thoughts. Okay. All right. So you had mentioned earlier about the uh, the Ravens Wired segment debuting yes. this year. Tell Did us a little bit about what you saw. I saw most of it. I didn't see all of it. So what was your takeaway? So it, it's pretty good. So there was a, there's a few things that I thought it was interesting to see. One, it was exciting to see some of the hype that when they when they showed the video of these guys seeing their jerseys for the first time. You know, I can't even imagine walking in and and practicing doing these things your entire life, and now here you are at the highest level. Yeah. Right. And to then see your name on the back of a jersey. You've never it's every kid's dream. If you played rec football, rec baseball, anything, you had dreams. You had aspirations. Yeah. I don't care for shit how bad you were. You had aspirations when you're playing in the backyard of potentially being a pro player, of NFL player, MLB player. And for those one in a million, yeah. it actually happens. And, and Kyle Hamilton is one of those guys, right? Kyle yeah. Hamilton came up and he, he basically said, I, I've always seen my name on a on a, a high school jersey, a peewee jersey, a high school jersey, right. you know, college now I'm here. Yeah. My name's on a jersey. That's and, one of my, I think for but me. But he said it with a smile on his face. Oh, right. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have been <laughs> criticizing him because he doesn't show a whole lot of emotion. But that's just who the dude is. Yeah. But I, that for me, I, like seeing those videos, those guys like first turning around and seeing their jersey for the first time, like. Falele was shaking. That's really cool, man. I, I love that. Like seeing how the, the emotion response behind it. You know, they call their parents and show it FaceTime, to them on the FaceTime yeah. and all that kind of stuff. This is a really cool moment. Again, you've By worked. the way, Drew, that's when you have an iPhone and you can look at somebody through video to another one. <laughs> uh, Mr. Android over Android there. dig. Uh, yeah, to, to me, that's just a really cool moment because, again, you've worked your entire life to be there. And even, you know, even when you're drafted, I'm sure it hits you. But for me, I feel like. The first time you put that jersey mm -hmm. on, the first time you step on a field, that's when you're like, holy shit, I'm here. Like, yeah. this happened. Yeah. I am here. I am in the NFL right now, and I'm sure the next pop, the next time is when the first paycheck hits your account. I'm sure that's a real good feeling, too. <laughs> exactly. But. No, and that was one of the things that Kyle Hamilton really didn't talk about. Like, he was talking about, like, he's he's really a guy that it's here. He's happy to be here. He described himself as tactical, thoughtful, self-critical, dominant, and works all over the field. Right. It I like was, it. It's exactly why they they drafted him um i did i did find it funny you know uh greg roman uh when he's talking they they brought all the guys on the are all getting on the practice field he goes he's talking to his other coaches he goes guys it's christmas morning guys and we got some presents and like, it's and he's right because i mean you think about it right as a 
offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, right? Every year you're tasked with just like a salesperson, right? You're tasked with growth year mm -hmm. in and year out, right? If you're given the same talent and you're given the same pool, there's only so much that you can do when they get these guys, the free agent signings, or they get these draft picks. Now they got new tools in the shed that they can work with new plays that they can yeah. pull out of their vault and use for, <laughs> you know, these new players and stuff. I think I'm sure that the, the coaches do get excited about that because then they can do things that they just haven't been able to do before. Yeah. And I think it was funny too. He also, they also described uh, that Greg, uh, Greg describes to the coaching staff, this uh, th this first rookie mini camp, or they they coming out and they're seeing them for the first time. Greg Roman says this is putting the first coat of paint on them. It's get <laughs> it's getting them used to. Here's what it's like. The speed here's of the, game, the speed exactly. It. Yeah. And it was it was great to see too. I as much shit as I've given Greg Roman personally, mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool in this rookie rookie mini camp wired session to see him pull some of these top guys aside on the offensive side of the ball. And really kind of talk to them and, and give them – he talked He talked to Likely. He talked to uh, Batty. He talked to uh, Linderbaum. Just giving them feedback of things that you got to – you have to do at this level. Yeah. Right? And so I, the, the other thing I found was interesting was it almost – this Wired session, you know what it gave me vibes of? Mm. Think HBO. Hard knocks. Yeah. Sitting down well, in a meeting. Yeah. Talking. Okay, who do you who do you like? Right, we heard some of that in this in this Wired video. Right, again, Ravens are the best at what they do. Yeah, you know, you speak. So not only did I watch the the Ravens Wired, but I also saw a video somehow came up on my feed of the Steelers doing OTAs. They had Kenny Pickett out there, right? One of the things that I noticed that they do, I don't know if the Ravens do this or not, but I thought it was kind of cool. It's kind of an old school feel to it. It's got that throwback feel to it is like with the rookies, even the, the high draft picks like Kenny Pickett, they, their name tags, like over their, their locker. Yeah. It's handwritten. You know, they, they get the bare bones of everything. They got to earn their stripes. I like that. Per se. You know, they, it's not just because you're a first given. round pick. I'm not giving you all. You're not starting at the top. Smart. You're starting at the bottom to get to the top, right? So it's layers to it. I don't know if the Ravens do that or not. I, I would think that that would be a really cool way to to make players really work for certain things and, and certain tasks to get these things. I, I know it's small, but. Yeah, you know. it's small, but like one of the one of the small things that the Ravens do that's, that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum is for the players. They are one of the only team, if not the only team, to actually do a rookie mini camp picture. Yeah, it's kind of that cool. it's the rookie class. That's a hardball thing. Yeah. It's a hardball thing, but like he basically said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna make sure all of you guys go home with this. Yeah, you know, or get one of these. That's I mean, that's it's, it's like small. your class photo, right? But it's small. But that's just you. You were on. You were being looked at as an NFL, you know, candidate. Right. right? That's kind of what that feels like. And so that's that's where you got to kind of take a step back. But I did want to ask you, was there anything in those meetings as they were kind of, as, especially as Giro was kind of breaking down some of the players uh, or some of the position groups, was there anything that stood out to you or any player or any comments that stood out to you during that Wired segment? I would say for me, uh, it was probably the running backs coach uh, talking about the, the the kid Tyler Batty, yeah. the, new, the new running back that we got in, uh, mm -hmm. I think, fifth or sixth round, fifth round, Six. I think. Sixth round? Sixth round. Yeah, so this was a kid that, you know, in the SEC, in a tough conference, one of the best of the best, if not the best conference in college football, put up big numbers. His name kind of went under the radar. Not a whole lot of you know scouts were talking about him, but the measurables are there. He put up good numbers at the combine at his pro day. 
Um, and again, when you watch him on tape, he does pop. And they said he moves well, sees the hole well. He's got the type of skills you'd want for a set of a guy that could go out and play a one or a six and picks it up easily. He's pretty sharp. Those are all the things that you like to hear about a running back. I, I know he's got very short hands. He can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. Mm -hmm. uh, they were talking about that today uh, after OTAs. He, yeah. ca he caught everything his way. And when you talk about a running back core that was depleted by injuries last year, when you get down to RB3, RB4, like, that's what you need. That's that's yeah. the kind of depth that you need. And I really do think that, and I know Ryan's going to be happy with this, I think Justice Hill's days could be numbered if everybody comes back healthy. I think they are, too. And one of It's the early. I know it's early, and this is just an early report. But, I mean, it's just I, I'm excited about what this kid can do. Well, one of the things that was interesting about that, you know, I, I talked about those guys that he was pulling aside, and that was one of the – Tyler was one of the, the guys that he pulled aside, and he, he was talking to him and said, How, how's your pass protection? You're at this level. Oh, right. You're yeah. at this level. You're a running back. I expect you to carry the ball right. and carry the rock. You've been doing that your whole life. Right. You've been doing that your whole life. I expect you to block and basically told him what to expect. You better not get run over on my offense by a linebacker. See, I like that. I, I like that. Again, As I said, I, I gained a little bit of respect through this wired, probably strategically done by watch the Ravens. Watch what you say. We're live. It's probably strategically done by the Ravens. But I like what I what I saw. There were some things that I was kind of going. This is a, it seems to me to be a different side that we've than we've seen of Greg Grumman before, or we've yeah. heard about Greg Grumman. So I I actually really love this. To me, I think on the, the flip side, going to the outside, the one thing that that stood out to me was really what T. Martin had to say about the wide receiver core that was there for rookie minicamp, which has been a big which, question mark. And he was he was asked about it, and that was one of the first groups they talked about. And he basically said, "Look, Bridges is most impressive up to right now because the guy oh, the just drafted guys. Yeah, yeah. This, so the guy just picks things up. Now, Shamar Bridges is the undrafted free agent out of Fort Valley State, but he's six foot four, two hundred and seven pounds. Yeah." Ryan's going to like that that's guy. That's a Ryan-sized receiver. Yeah. I think they have two guys. they got one that's 6'4 and one that's 6'5. they got two yeah. big boys at wide yeah. receiver right and, now. And Shamar apparently really picking things up. Look good in some of the videos that they showed of him. Good, you know, look-wise, right, with the with the dreads and everything, as he was running, I was like, I had to double take. I was like, was that Hopkins? Like, oh. look, look-wise. Wow. Look-wise, he, right. he, he had a catch and a clean release. Yeah. Look good. Not saying he's comparable by any means, right. but you had to double take because it was just smooth like that, yeah. right? It was smooth like hop. So the other thing that they talked about is he said the other guy, and he, he didn't even like skip a beat before he finished the statement about uh, Bridges that he says, and Slade is bright too. Slade just gets it. Talk about Slade Bolden. So you talk about Slade Bolden, a kid that comes out of Alabama, right? And we talked about the SEC. Well, he comes from the cream of the crop of the SEC. Yeah. I know he didn't get a whole lot of run at Alabama because, I don't know, they had 10 fucking top <laughs> one picks ahead of him on the depth chart for this entire time he was there. Uh, but it's again, it's a kid that went up against the best of the best as far as cornerbacks in practice every day. Yeah. He again had top elite talent above him that he was learning from. So if he can come in and 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 kind of just use that to his advantage in the NFL, he could carve out a role in this Sh team. Show off, show out in some of the videos you watch him go. And, and I he, know it's early, but he's going across the middle like it was nobody's business. He seems to me just again, this is I don't know, I don't know a whole lot about him. Just 
the little bit that I've picked up on from his character and some of the things that he says, he is a I'll do whatever you ask me to coach kind of guy. Yeah. And that's what this team needs. Again, if you're talking about a wide receiver five or a wide receiver six on this squad, you better be doing special teams. You better be doing everything that you possibly can to get in Harbaugh's good graces and to be on this team. And then when you get the opportunity on the field on Sunday, take advantage Do of it. it. Not like fucking Miles Boykin, who fucking didn't show up when the spotlight was his brightest. Slade Bolden, to me, seems like a guy that just give him a chance. Isaiah likely needs to turn that number around. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. It's awful. Uh, last week, we talked about Kyle Fuller kind of coming on. Well, you kind of were talking before the show that they they were some of the details of the deal came out and, and really what the value is in this deal. Yeah, so obviously Kyle Fuller uh, he might not be what he was when he was first drafted into the league, but he doesn't need to be that guy. He doesn't need to be cornerback one. He doesn't even need to be cornerback two if we get everybody back healthy, right? He needs to be a rotation guy, a piece guy, a guy that can play inside and outside, right? So this was, to me, a no-brainer signing for the Ravens. And again, to get him on this kind of a deal, the details of his contract finally came out. It's a $2.5 million contract for one year. The signing bonus is 1.3. The base salary is 1.1. The cap charge is 2.5. Again, for a guy who was an all-pro, a guy who was a Pro Bowl player, uh, and he doesn't need to be an every-down player in this defense, I think is going to go very well for this team uh, to give them that added depth and security. There's talent there. Yeah. That's the key, right? And they're recognizing you it, but they're not going to overpay for it. still some juice out of that lemon? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's one of the things that you're looking to do. So to get them at two and a half mil, it's not a bad deal. It's not a bad situation. <laughs> so Googs in. brought up my next point. He did pick, he took the words right out of my mouth. He did pick his number today. So his number when he was in Denver and he was in Chicago was 23. In college at Virginia Tech, he was number 17. 17's gone. I think an undrafted free agent took that or one of the rookies took it. I don't remember. Uh, But he ends up going with 18, which is a weird number for a cornerback. Usually you don't see, like, the the ones, uh, you know, like the teens. You don't see that on a cornerback. It's going to be weird to see that. But everybody's about being unique and being their own guy and whatever. I don't give a shit what his jersey number says. Come in, play football, (laughs) be good on the field. That's all I care about. And I think this is another – very good value dumpster dive kind of move for EDC. Yeah, it just it just made sense and it gives you that again that added depth. One of the guys that we that didn't come back was, you know, or that came back but wasn't fully out, out there and active. We, you know, we talked about Marcus seeing Marcus Peters. Marlon Humphrey was out there and active during OTAs this week. Right. Marcus, not so much. So it, if something happens with Marcus, he needs to slow down a little bit in rehab, whatever it may be. This just provides you that added insurance policy, and it's very cheap. Drew, what's your opinion on the secondary adding a piece like Fuller to the uh, to the depth? Uh, I mean, he's from what I can remember. I mean, he's a pretty healthy guy too. Like, yeah, it, he only he had me, one year he missed because yeah. of a knee injury. Other than that, so, he never yeah, missed anything. Well, you know, the, especially the recent future, uh, recent future, recent uh, recent history, every few years. Uh, to me, it's like I can see him being he, he's. Clearly, it's easy to see that he's filling the like, Jimmy Smith role. Yeah. And that was our problem with Jimmy Smith. Like, when he's on the field, we feel at least confident as long as he's not, like, the number one guy, obviously. If he's if he's, if he's the third guy to those other two, then, like I said, as long as he's on the field, unlike for the most part Jimmy was, then it's a complete win because you're, you're only asking so much out of him unless exactly. shit hits the fan, which we don't want anyway. Right, so. exactly. 
All right, so we got to talk about it. <laughs> it's time I don't, to get, I don't, I don't want to talk about this, <laughs> so I'm going to let you kick this off and let you and Drew kind of go on your rants about this because this is honestly a topic that I really don't care to talk about or entertain. All right, well, I'll, I'll ask you a question later. They'll okay. see if it'll, it'll get your vibe it up a little bit. Uh, so Lamar, obviously, not being at OTAs, and uh, Chris Sims, uh, we all know Chris Sims. He's a prick in anything that he says. <laughs> he was a uh, terrible quarterback in the NFL, uh, FYI. Yeah, well, he was also a tail. His tail. father was a very good quarterback. He was awful. He's also a terrible guy in the media as well. He just sucks. Hope, He's been hope, a problem multiple times. I hope his spleen's all right still. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, but he said that Brady wouldn't be missing OTAs in year four of his career. Brady didn't miss an OTA until he played, played four in four Super Bowls. Well, Lamar clapped back. He's Which is cool to see it. Lamar do because, again, Lamar he's been, been more. He's been a little bit more talkative and chatty through social media than normal. Yeah, you made yeah. me. So yeah. he comes back and he says, hey, Lamar wants to be Lamar, Chris. This part of OTAs is voluntary, my guy. I will be there, just not on your watch. It's probably other QBs not attending voluntary OTAs either. But since it's Lamar, it's a huge deal. Find something else to talk about. And then he re he put the tweet there and then he put another tweet after that that, that was tagging his training coach with rocket rocket fire <laughs> i.e that's some rocket fuel and listen i i know he puts in the work he puts out the social media posts on it all the time you see him putting in the work and he does yeah. he has his own training staff and coaching staff that he works with in the office we've seen the videos and and obviously it's helped him it's improved like his his passing from where he was as a rookie to what it is now is much improved. So this is why I don't think this is a story. Like, okay. I understand that is it ideal for him to not be here and not be getting work with some of these new wide receivers, the undrafted guys, that kind of thing. Uh, I understand that part of it. Um, but the bigger picture here is, well, he could come in here and it be a national story the next day because he gets hurt. And then everybody's like, oh, what the fuck? Why do you got Lamar running around in OTAs for? Why'd you run the risk? And now Lamar's done for a year. So the, the script turns real quick. Now it's John Harbaugh's an idiot. It's two years in a row. He had J.K. Dobbins running in the fucking preseason, and we lost him for the year. Now you got Lamar Jackson running around in the OTAs. Now you lost him for the year. The fucking narrative will change really quick. And the yeah. only reason this is a narrative is because it's Lamar fucking Jackson that pisses me off. That's why I don't want to talk about it. Sorry. Okay. I, he went on and his rant. rant before I was able to throw it to you, and Drew. Rant. Drew, any thoughts? All right. Any thoughts on the Sims and uh, Lamar clapping back? And then I'm going to poke the bear again. Uh, <laughs> uh, fuck Chris Sims. That's all I need to say about Chris Sims. <laughs> uh, with me on the Lamar thing, like I, I kind of when the the first week of OTAs, like for a couple of days, like I kind of wanted him to be there, and I kind of did feel like he should. Then, like the more I thought about it, like. It, it, no matter what the guy does, like somebody, you're gonna have something to say. Like, and it's it's crazy how like decent of a nice guy he is to get all this like negative attention just for no reason. There's got to be some reason people have in their heads. Well, that's for, that's for a conversation for I, another. It's day. pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. So uh, at this point, though, I'm more pissed off that he's not there because I have to hear all this riffraff from national media. The, the way Ravens fans and Ravens Twitter has become, me personally, I at this point I don't blame him because like I, I told we were talking about before the show, all you gotta do is is step 
step wrong, and there you go. He tore his Achilles. Why was he at exactly. voluntary? You're being asked a question, and that question is, who's worse, Drew? Ooh. Chris Sims or Buster Olney? <laughs> I got a stool now. It's still Olney. No, fuck that guy even worse. Uh, yeah, no, I, you're, you can't throw me off. Because uh, it, it really, like, it does come down to, to me, it's voluntary. And it, it is. It's like, okay, Mahomes and Allen and Brady and Rodgers are out doing this match tonight or what? It's tonight, right? Yeah. 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 Why did that have to be scheduled in the middle of OTAs? Right. Like, did those – you know what I mean? And I don't want to hear don't, – don't, don't come back at me with this, oh, well, they're veterans. They earned it. Josh Allen ain't done shit compared to Lamar. Sorry. He, he hasn't. He got the contract first. That's, that's all it. it was. That's literally we, it. That's what we were saying. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I get, like – and I don't care. Okay, then you can clap back. Well, he was here this week, and he's going to be on Beck. No, no, no. It, you can't have it one way or the other. If you're, if you're happy a guy shows up to OTA, then he should be at all single every single day of OTA. Right. So, no, I'm, I, at this point, I'm kind of glad that he's not there because then it's one less situation where he could get hurt. Anybody could get hurt. I know that's kind of a, a pointless thing, but it, it's, it, it gets to be the mandatory ones and the training camps. When you're holding out of those – then I'm worried, and maybe my opinion changes. Right. But for voluntary, that's the word, voluntary. The only thing I'll say is, and, and this is a good thing for Lamar, because it was, what, two years ago that we saw him before OTAs run into a jet ski on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Then last year it was running routes with, with kids. kids on a fucking concrete basketball court, right? <laughs> yeah. So we haven't seen that this year, so thankful for that. Like you say, anybody could get hurt doing anything, so he could get hurt fucking eating bonbons and a ho-ho. He could, Who get, knows? Hurt. He could get hurt during his training that he's got going on right now, though. Right. No, I, I agree with that, but my point hey, is... don't put that thought in people's heads. My point is... Have to, have to that negativity. My point is, if the Ravens put pressure on Lamar to show up, Lamar shows up unwillingly but he shows up and then they ask him to run around and do all these drills and then he gets hurt there the, again quickly the narrative changes to what the fuck do you have your star quarterback who's in his contract year running around in a bullshit ota session and now you've lost him for the year it's it wouldn't it would flip very very quickly i, I don't i don't disagree with anything you guys are saying so this is just really again me as I always do, playing a little bit of devil's advocate, no, trying fine. to poke the bear a little you're bit, good. right? Just to trying to give everybody the other side because I do agree with you guys, but I, I tried to do a little bit of, of looking at the other side, and, and I get some of the fans' aspect, honestly, of some of the concerns, right? What what is the one thing that we've said is that he needs to develop? He needs to develop a, a, a rapport, chemistry. a chemistry with his receivers. I agree. We know I get he that. did it with Bateman. This is your chance to do this with some of these younger guys and give them a chance. Chemistry doesn't have to come in the form, and this is where I disagree with you guys. He can show up OT OTAs, and just as they're voluntary, he can say, I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to be active. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to come for a little bit of time, and then I'm going to go there. To me, I get... I get not being there. He's going to focus on him. He's going to focus on what's being there. the point is to show face and be there and not do anything, I'd rather him not be there and working with his quarterback coach that is helping him You'd develop. You'd rather him not be looking at the books and looking at the, the You look at the books anywhere. You'd rather him not look at the books with his receivers, with those guys, be able to pull a guy aside. Lamar is a leader, like it or not. Lamar is a leader on the field. If he sees something out of a, run, out of a running back, out of a wide receiver – would you not want your quarterback saying, I would probably do this here? I think you should turn inside. No, I think I, you should I, adjust. I'm not, I'm not, you know, 
He's missing my, I'm not my pushing point is, back on your point. I understand the negatives to it. Like there's I'm not saying that it's 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 a hundred percent fine for him to yeah. not be here. Is it ideal? No. Like I said, I'd prefer him to be here, but I'm not gonna lose my shit over Lamar Jackson missing OTAs. Okay. And, and that's, that's my point. That's that's what I'm trying to get get at. Is it's a very nobody... fine line. Everybody is either like completely against it, like no, he doesn't need to be here. Or completely for it, and it, it, there's no in the middle. And I, I just feel like I would prefer him to be here, but if he's not, it's not a big deal. No, and uh, I get that's what I'm saying is I get that it's I get that it's voluntary, right? And that's one of the things that's, that's there. But there's an aspect to it that some people look at, right or wrong, right, mm-hmm. right or wrong. Perception is reality, correct? Yeah. To some people, this appears appears if you go read the comments on twitter what sims was saying it appears selfish not saying my words are it is not but it appears that way because he's saying i'm doing this so that i can work on me you can still work on you at the facility yeah, I get that. And I think and around I, would, people. I would be upset, I don't know, if I saw him carrying a 300-pound buffalo on his back hunting like, I don't know, Derek Wolf is doing. Right. Or some of these other people that are out I, there doing. How's his back, by the way? Yeah, I'd right. be upset if he was out there playing golf in Las Vegas. Exactly. Right now, he could be with the team. Exactly. That's my point. But if he is. He did play golf three weeks ago. But it wasn't during OTAs. I know. I know. Right. I'm just saying. If he's, just doing, saying. if he's putting in the work with his trainer and that's the preferred route for him and Again, the coaching yeah. staff is okay with that. Why? Why are I we the question? I think that's what's the bigger story is the is the coaching staff just the way they've addressed it. I think they're tired of answering it. I think they're tired of being asked it. And I think they're to this point like, well, fuck it. If you're going to ask the question, ask Lamar. I'm done. I'm done yeah. answering it. I don't think it's they're mad that he's not there. Trust me. If they were mad that he wasn't there, they would have that conversation with Lamar. And I don't think Lamar is the kind of guy. And I don't know him, but I just don't feel like he'd be the kind of guy to be like, fuck you. I'm showing up when I show up. He's not that kind of guy. He'll be there. Like right now, he doesn't have to be there because there's no pressure on him to be there. That's my point. You're saying he's that's his not that's his mentality to the team, right? Okay, yeah. I thought you were. I was going to say if you're saying his mentality to everybody else is I'll show up when I sh- when I when no, I show no, up. I'm saying that's he's literally not what that. he said to Chris Sims. So that's that that argument kind of goes out the door for me. If you're saying that now, he's not saying that to he's the not team. going he's on saying Chris that to the Sims media. Watch is no, what I, he was saying, right? And I get I get that. That's what I'm saying. I want to I want to pull that out and make sure that we're yeah. on the same page so, from that aspect. So, so. If, if he's at mandatory, the mandatory one coming up, are you just, are you going to like are we should we just like well. The voluntary one didn't matter. Like, what were we complaining about? No, I mean, I, that's what it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. There's still plenty of time to build that rapport. To me, training camp is far more important. Jacob, than exactly. Running around in shorts in in in, in June first. Uh, that yeah. that's the you know what I mean. That's the rapport no, I want you to build and, up. There's still plenty of time to do that. And I'm not not disagreeing with you guys. And to your point, yes, it's the, the mandatory ones. If he if he holds out there or something, he doesn't show up there. Whatever. Then yeah, 100% agree with you guys. I, I would I would be concerned, but here for me, I, I'm I'm just kind of saying like there is a there is a chance that he's missing out on something for himself and for the team. So Jacob brings up, he says, if he struggles early in the season, people will look back and say that he should have been at OTAs. Book it. That is the problem with being Lamar yeah. Jackson. No matter what Lamar Jackson does, 
if something doesn't end in Super Bowl wins, they will find a reason to tear him down for why that didn't happen. It was just yeah. like 14 and two wasn't enough because they got booted in the first round of the playoffs. You win a first uh, first round of the playoffs, you lose in the second round. That wasn't enough. And no It'll, one remember what's the point out that he got a concussion. And exactly, didn't have a chance to make a comeback. Exactly, it will never be enough for Lamar Jackson, and unfortunately, that is the narrative and that is yeah. the situation that he will have to live with for the rest of his life because that he's, is society. He's also going to be compared to everyone. When you make the when you make the statement, we all know wanna, why it exists, right? We when you make the statement, I want to be the Tom Brady of Baltimore. You're going to start being compared to Tom Brady, right or wrong. It's a different player. It's a different game. It's a different you know everything. The whole point of Chris Sims and, and taking that that statement that he made a step further, he also made the statement that Brady had been, you know, Brady had been to four Super Bowls before he decided not to go to OTAs. I think what his point in that statement was, right or wrong, you should have learned because that time that, that Brady didn't go to OTAs, those teams didn't look so hot. Not saying there's a direct connection, but that's what he was going at. That's what he was going after. Right or wrong... That's what I think is happening is when you're when you make the comparison, you give everybody else the freedom to. I like Lamar. I think I again, I'm playing devil's advocate here because it's it sounds that's the point of the show. We got to have some banter back <laughs> I and forth. Say, I, you don't want us to go. We don't yeah, have James here this week. Yeah. To say I, no, I agree. Friends points spot on. Moving on. Next <laughs> yeah, topic. Exactly. You know how short this show would be sometimes? I know. I know. Exactly. <laughs> go ahead, Drew. <laughs> like, like, like the conversation with Hyde last week. Like, oh, it's kept on going. Uh, no, I just. One last dig at Chris Sims, like, it, I mean, <laughs> take it while you can. Take it while you can. One last, I, I, I <laughs> don't pay attention to anything from a failed quarterback that didn't have any kind of success whatsoever. Exactly about coming to an OTA. You didn't even. How many OTAs did you even make it to? Right. Three. Like, is that how many? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. at least, I sometimes and like that that the guy sitting next to Florio could add to it worse. Right. So there yeah. you go, Googs. I don't. I, it isn't the question. Is Sims. Uh, or only worse for me, it's his only or Florio worse. Right, yeah, exactly. Times. All right, Drew, it is time for a social media shout out. Who has been in the chat room uh, chatting little, it up tonight? A little bit quiet tonight, but still the comments are still pretty damn good. Nice. Uh, so we got Stephanie Summers was first. Hey, oh, Stephanie, good beat, to see you back in the chat room. Haven't seen you in a while. Beat the husband by like 10 seconds. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Pop Fiend, Jake Crick, Googs. Googs really chiming in tonight. Uh, Adit, Jacob Paul, Jared Green, Justin Marshall, Vinny Figs. I'm not calling you Figueroa. I just feel like saying Vinny Figs. Vinny Figs. I like <laughs> it. You know, I watched Goodfellas. The other I day. watched Goodfellas <laughs> yeah, last night. I'm, yeah, man. I'm not Rip gonna Ray Liotta. Uh, and yeah. uh, Robert Sloan. So uh, the question that uh, Vinny just asked, is it fair that Lamar is getting criticized and Josh Allen has not gotten the same criticism for not being in a Super Bowl but he got paid already. And that's kind of what, would, what, what, we, were saying, what yeah. we were saying a little bit ago is that we obviously know – why Lamar Jackson is criticized and Josh Allen isn't criticized. I mean, it's an ongoing problem that has been a problem for Lord knows how long, since the beginning of time, right? Uh, is it fair? Absolutely not, right? Uh, but what do you do to change it? And unfortunately, that's just the way Lamar Jackson's career is always going to be. He will always be questioned on everything that he does. Uh, and there are just certain quarterbacks that are held in a higher regard 
It's it's unfair. He's ever since he's come up, you know, the running quarterback thing. He should be a wide receiver. He should be a running back. He should be all these things. It has never stopped, even after winning an MVP at the quarterback position. If that doesn't stop the narrative, it'll never stop. It'll just the goalpost will continue to be moved based on whatever the topic is. Uh, so Goog had Goog Goog Goog's had a nice little point. Uh, perhaps Fuller talking you know, Fuller maybe Fuller is kind of like what we did with Wolf a couple of years ago. Bring him in, you never know. Like yeah, no, he's really really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Wolf again in his one his first year with the team was a big added bonus. And what was crazy about the the Wolf situation and how it played out is. Wolf seemed really bought into Baltimore. He wanted to be here and he wanted to be in this defensive system. And he did, you know, a very good job in his first yeah. year. But it seems like something's changed with him in his, you know, in his mentality. I don't know if it's the look of the defense. You know, you don't know what happens behind closed doors. You don't know what's said in those coaches' meeting rooms. Who knows? Kind of, yeah, I don't know. But things have changed over the past couple of years. I know he's been dealing with injuries, but again, He's got a back injury, but he was carrying a 300-plus-pound buffalo on his back that he was hunting the other day. This is the second time I've seen something like this from him. I mean, a guy with a back injury shouldn't be carrying a 300-pound buffalo. I couldn't carry a 300-pound buffalo without a back injury, right? Yeah, Don't no. sell yourself short. I <laughs> but uh, a, something has changed with him. But yeah, I, do, yeah. I do agree with you. I think this Fuller signing is very similar to that in its value. Yeah, and then uh, one last thing, sadly – uh, right before the show, that I, I didn't look into it yet, but Marion Barber passed away. Yeah, I saw that comment pop up, and uh, Scott, a Google search, tell us a little yeah, bit about so it. Yeah, so apparently he was found uh, dead in his apartment. He was 38 years old. Um, they're not giving a cause of death at, at this moment, but uh, they're saying someone called because of a water leak. Um, and then he was found in the apartment. So not sure exactly what's going on. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna look at his his death, assess what happened, and kind of go from there. God, but that sounds like uh, was it Demarius Thomas that we found in a bathtub too? He had like a seizure or something in a shower. Something yeah, like that. something like yeah, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds similar to that. Godly. Yeah. Uh, well, but rest crazy. in peace to Marion Barber, man. He was a. Uh, he was, he was a staple with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, for a little bit. and he was kind of around that like time when fantasy football was starting to get bigger and bigger. It was when it became more of a national thing than it did just a bunch when of guys. When you could look on websites house. and not in a magazine, not like in a James. magazine, exactly <laughs> right. Uh, so Mar- Marion Barber had a very good career, you know, in his time with Dallas. Uh, that's sad news, man. It's uh, yeah. way too young, thirty-eight years old. Golly, yeah. that's it's, awful. It's, it's crazy. To see. And you know, R.I.P. to uh, Ray Liotta, yeah, uh, Shoeless Joe. If you're, uh, you know, Shoeless Joe, Henry Hill. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's played in a lot of a lot of different things. The Goodfellas, you know, is a great movie and all. But I will always me personally will always remember him as Shoeless Joe. It's just that's the the family movie. It's what I watch all the time. I could quote that movie from start to finish. I think we all probably could. Yeah, Yeah. it's uh, it's sad. Shoeless Joe didn't bet on the 1919. (laughs) God, don't get him started. Ray Liotta might have. Ray Liotta Uh, definitely did. (laughs) Nah, rest in peace to Ray, man. It's uh, sad news. <laughs> Vinny, Vinny Figs is actually apparently yeah, his yeah. nickname. I mean, you have <laughs> to you be. Go. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. It's time for some bros, bows, and O's. I can't get more excited week in and week out to talk some Oriole baseball. And it's been a while since I've felt this way. Yeah. Uh, teams now 21 and 30 overall. You would Which think. Which sounds weird to say you're excited. I'm excited but there's a about lot of little a, things to get excited Yeah, about. I'm excited about a 20 with nine games under 500. What are we talking about here? They went one for three on the road against the Yankees uh, up in New York. They went three and two in a five-game series, including a doubleheader uh, versus the Red Sox this weekend. Uh, they end up going 14 and 16 on the month in May, which is a pretty damn good month. They had 
One win away last night, they end up getting blown out 10 to nothing. Yeah. One win away <laughs> last night from breaking even and being 500 on the month, but uh, very good month for the for the Orioles. It, it was, it was. And, you know, Friday was it, it was on the national stage as the Orioles took on the Red Sox at Fenway uh, on didn't Apple they? TV+. Plus. I was going to say it was on an Apple TV broadcast, so I didn't get to watch it because uh, I had other things going on. But I went back and watched some of, like, the highlights of it. Some of the camera angles were kind of cool on that. Right, broadcast. that's what I said. I was, I was actually, I was impressed at times with with how the presentation was. Yeah, uh, it looked good. It that's had that. a way. Like those types of things, those types of changes to the visual aspect. For me, I think is how you make a younger audience more intrigued with the game. It's. I know it's silly. It just feels like the camera angles have been traditional and have been the same forever. Has high definition gotten yep. better? Yes, but like. Those close-up shots of a guy running around home, you see it in, like, the All-Star games, right? You see it yeah. in, like, the Home Run Derby where they're right up in the batter's box and that kind of thing. I know you can't do it on a live pitch. It would be ridiculous. But those camera angles, those guys are running around the bases on a home run and you're right in the guy's face as he's slapping the third base coach's hand. It's cool. You know what I'd love to see? And they didn't do it there, but it just got me thinking about, like, different camera angles and stuff. After the balls hit, I'd love to see a drone just take off find the ball. Imagine, <laughs> that would be amazing. Imagine seeing a new shot from a home run like that. Have you ever watched some of these professional Oh, drones? my God, they're amazing. They are ridiculous with how accurate they are and how fast they are. It's it's pretty amazing. It's so amazing. people can do it. Right, so that's what I'm saying. Like, seeing something like that, they can do it. There's people who can do it. It just, it just got me thinking about different camera angles and making it look. The other thing that I love that I was I was hoping to see in this game but didn't, and I think they need to do it, when especially when it's nationally televised games. One of them needs to be mic'd up that can talk at times, and they so can they turn didn't it on and do off. that? No. Uh, man, so that's another thing that they do in the All-Star games. And they've done it a little bit on, they like, the during... Sunday night baseball and stuff like that. They'll Here talk to some there, of the players. Yeah. It's rare. But that is definitely another aspect of the game that I like. Or just even, even having them mic'd up and having somebody – monitor that mic the entire game and if you hear something funny you go back and listen to play on the clip out exactly exactly as they're getting ready to come off the field for the inning or whatever listen to adley run because one of the things i've heard about adley rutschman is you know we all know that he goes up to the pitcher in between every inning and he you know talks to him about whatever he talks to him about but he always tries to change it up and he actually does things that he tries to get the pitchers to laugh and loosen up and stuff i'd love to hear what those fucking conversations exactly right yeah i'd love to hear what he said that's the type of stuff that would be cool but let's look at the game itself, right? Because they were down six to nothing at the end of the third. It was not a good start to this game. Right. Uh, and by the end of the sixth, it was eight to two. Then the Orioles put up 10 on. Hey, what's up, Mark? Good to see you in the chat room. In a comeback to win 12 to eight. Again, Braddish got roughed up early, but this team, I said it two weeks ago. I said it last, or sorry, three weeks ago. I said Everybody it last quit. week. This team has no quit in them. They have so much. They are. They may be down, but they never feel like they're out. Right. Even in that ten to nothing loss on Monday, it was like, okay, when could they come back? You're right. waiting. You're waiting for the spark because you know if they get the spark, they can do it. What you're seeing with this team is you're seeing a team that's hungry, right? You see a bunch of guys that are trying to prove themselves at the major league level, right? So. They're not worried about what's the score, how many wins, how many losses do we get. They're trying to be efficient in everything that they do out on the field, right? You get some of these guys that come in and they're on these big contracts and they're set for life and all that stuff. If they're down 8 nothing, 10 nothing, they're packing it in for the night. They're oh, just yeah. out there going through the motions to get through the game. There are the rare occasions of players that don't do that, but for the most part, that's how it is. But right now, you got a bunch of guys, young guys, 
that are trying to carve out a role at the Major League Baseball level. And you're going to see games like this. You're going to see games where you're thinking, yeah. well, shit, they're getting blown out. They're going to, they're not going to, yeah. they're going to fold away. Yesterday's but they game, don't. yeah. Yeah, like last yeah. night, you thought, last night, the 10 but I didn't off. give up. No, no that's in what years, I'm saying. Yeah. In years past, if they were down 10 to nothing, fourth inning, fifth inning, turn it off. I'm turning it off. I'm watching something else. I kept it on last yeah. night thinking, man, I. I'm you not just watched this them team do it on Friday. Exactly. And that's my point is there's a lot of things here. And don't, let's not forget, I said it was Monday, but it was Tuesday that was a 10 nothing loss. But let's not forget Monday where they turn around and shut out the O's, only giving, or shut out the Red Sox, only giving up four hits. Yeah. Adley caught that game, called it, called his first career shutout. Pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. It's, it's a year of first for him. So that's the stuff that it's really, really exciting to see. Um, they were using a long ball a lot this weekend, too. They, yeah. It, that cha- at home run I chain mean, was that, coming helps, out a lot. That helps in that, that yeah. shitty thing. And I'll tell you what. Field, but but let me tell you. The, the, the Mount Castle bomb that he hit over the wall in, in, in Fenway oh my God, was yeah. a bomb. But Urias, the bomb that <laughs> oh, he hit dead, like to the dead, dead center. center field over the corner of the wall off of whatever that pole is that's yeah, out there. Yeah. I don't know what the estimated distance was on that ball. But this that's had, to be, about, had to be 450 at least. Four, Urias yeah, is a little like dude. Urias yeah. is a little dude. I did not expect that ball to carry. I thought that was just going to be a, a deep fly ball to center field. There were some, la- there were some laser shots in this game, too. Yeah. I mean, Mount Castles, it was a laser yeah. Over the green monster. Yeah. So it, it just starting it was, to warm up. The ball's going to start yeah. flying out, man. Odor's yeah. loving Odor. it. He had a three-run home run. I was. Game off today. I was so wrong about Odor. I like, still say it's. <sighs> well, my my problem became. I think he figured the the hitting out. Yeah. It was just one of those you had to start. It, it was the feeling so. was so bad. But I think that's what gets forgotten and how good the last few weeks have been with his bat. You really haven't had the issues with the fielding as much. So here's something I wanted to bring up to you guys. I thought it was interesting because we, we've kind of talked a little bit about this, not just with uh, Odor, but we've talked about it with a lot of the, the hitters in the lineup. When we went to the game the, uh, the the one night, I noticed, like, God, nobody in the lineup is hitting over, like, two. there was one hitter hitting over 270. It was Mancini. Everybody else was below, like, 230, yeah. right? Like, Jesus Christ, we're just not hitting the ball. So I went and I dug some stats up, Okay. The average hitter in Major League Baseball this year, the average is 239. Yeah. Okay. In 2000, the average was 270. So that's a 30 point gap, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2000, when we were, you know, praising the 300 hitters, like 300 was the mark. If you were over 300, you were a good hitter. Right. Well, now you've got to take that down. 30 points because the collective average is down 30 points. So now 270 is the new 300, essentially, is what it is when you look at it based on average across the league as to what it was now versus what it was in 2000. There's 20 so guys. So it's not just the Orioles. There's 20 guys right now over 300. That's it in MLB right now. And, and it's early in the season. Which, that's impressive. That's well, really impressive. Well, to be given honest, the right. rest of it, but but it's early in the season. You would expect to see more guys over 300 right now. Right. But there's not. The the number 20 guy, Trey Mancini. Yeah. Yeah, he's at 300 right now. He's so at 300 as we as we speak. So to your point, it definitely there's there's a there's something going on within the game. We've heard the players talk about the ball and it's yeah. not flying out. Now we're seeing it fly out a little well, Urias bit. Urias put that to bed last night or the other night in Boston. Well, but he made soft ball. He, he got, a hard, got ball. One of those hard juice balls. I don't I mean, know. It's somebody, somebody threw a Super Bowl out there because that shit was gone. All right, you ready, Fred? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna get Fred's blood blood boiling just a little bit. We've already done it twice. What are we doing now? Um. So uh, Sunday. This past Sunday. This or past this Sunday. Sunday. Okay. 
the team promoted right-handed pitcher Cody Sedlock. <laughs> <laughs> before you go, before you go on a rant, all right. Under the pre- previous leadership regime, he was the top draft pick in 2016. Yeah. He was their number two prospect as ranked by MLB Pipeline for a while. He had a successful half season in 2017 in low A. Junior year of Illinois, he is what what really drove him to be so good. But in his debut, three innings pitched, six hits, one walk, three Ks, five earned runs, a 2.33 whip. Now he came in in relief. Let's not forget that. So he's already inheriting some guys. He's had elbow and forearm injuries that sidelined him at the end of that 2017 season. Yeah. It's 2018. He had fallen to the number 12 prospect uh, and had a bout with thoracic thoracic outlet syndrome that year. Don't know a whole lot about that, but whatever it was, talking gibberish to me, whatever, whatever it was, it only, he only had 13 uh, appearances in 2018 and has been like non fairly non-existent since then. Right. Well, they promoted him. All right, so here's the thing with Cody Sedlock before I go into the, the Grace Rodriguez thing. <laughs> the thing with Cody Sedlock is you got to know what you got here, right? This was a first-round draft pick, to your point, was what, 2016? Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that's dealt with a bunch of shit, and at some point it's either you shit or get off the pot, right? You got you to do something. And he's getting up there, you know, in age. He was a college pitcher, so he's got to be – 26 I think or 28 I think okay even older right so he's getting up there he's not what you would consider a prospect at this point he's just a guy that's stuck down in the minor league system so yeah right for a player player, right so you got to figure out what you got in him um you know he honestly what I saw when he first came back at Aberdeen and then in Bowie I didn't really like what I saw out of him I couldn't believe that he was a first round pick so for him to kind of work his way through the ranks and get that promo they get you know get the promotion mm-hmm. I'm okay with that like I'm all right with with Sedlock getting a look and seeing where he's at again right now the stakes don't fucking matter so you need to figure out what you've got in, far, in terms of depth because is Cody Sedlock going to be a piece for the future probably not but if he can come up and show that he can compete at the major league level, does Cody Sedlock turn into an 18-year-old that you can flip, you know, for to the Marlins or flip to somebody else for an 18-year-old prospect that can come in? Because at this point, it's time to rinse and repeat. Or if he's going to stick, he's going to stick, right? So I'm okay with that. Now, to the point of Grayson Rodriguez, I don't know what the fuck else this guy's got to do to prove that he belongs here. I really don't. I'm at my wits end at this point. I know it's kind of shifted from Adley to now Grayson because it's how we felt about Adley. And then finally Adley got called up. I know some people were saying, oh, Friday makes a lot of sense. Last Friday made a lot of sense for him to come up. And I think it did. But if he's not up in the next week or two, I'm going to be severely disappointed. The numbers that he's putting up, especially the last couple of Mm -hmm. games, uh, he's got, what, a 2.3 ERA right now down in AAA. He had 10 Ks, no walks, gave up like three hits the other night in seven innings pitch. He was up in almost 90 pitches. So you can't say, well, he's not going deep enough in games. He's not throwing enough pitches. None of that is a concern. What we talked about last week was his limit, inning limit, right? Right. If his inning limit is 150 innings this year, that's fine. He can do that here, and he can hit that inning inning limit here because ultimately what you're seeing the, the Orioles do right now is they're going to this whole – Six man rotation, and they're having that, you know, that what is it called? Starter. Starter. Oh, no, it's the fucking opener. 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 I hate it. But if you're trying to draw out 
Grayson Rodriguez to last the entire year and your innings limit is 150 right. innings, that's how you do it is you have a six-man rotation and you have that opener in there to space his starts out. Yeah. There are ways to manage it at the major league level. And again, in a season where there are no expectations and there's no risk why are you not bringing him up? It doesn't make sense. His catcher that he's going to be throwing to for the next decade is here. Right now, he's here. Let him learn with him and let him develop here. Yeah, That's it. I'm I, sorry. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree. We've talked about this. Playing devil's advocate, the only thing that I, that I can see is if you don't feel if you don't feel this team's ready and he is ready, there is risk in bringing him up. There is risk in knocking up his confidence. There is risk in you trying to push him too far. The, the, the minor league season ends before the major league season, but for a reason. So you can stretch him and still allow him to come up in September and do that stuff. Uh, again, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you're saying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand the other side of, of the fence. I, I struggle with it, but the only thing I can say is that. It, I know it, there's something to do with the arbitration year. Like if he waits another week or two that they get the the extra year or less of arbitration, something like that. I can't remember what it is. There's like a, a, a date in a week or two that makes sense from his contract standpoint. But other than that, like the whole like, you know, confidence thing. What, so what's the alternative? Him stay at AAA where he's not going to be and just continue to build false confidence? Like get him here. Just like Kyle Bradish is right now. Kyle Bradish got a seven ERA, and I'm not worried about it one fucking iota. Why? Because he's going through his bumps and he's learning. And he's going to get better from it. If Grayson comes up here and he goes from a two ERA to a four or five but ERA, everything, okay, we're, cool everything we're but everything we're hearing is that he doesn't he doesn't need to come up because he's going to be that good. He's going to be that that sense. So your point is to just stash him for the sake but, of stashing him? I, again, I'm not. Again, it's not my point. I'm trying I'm, to understand I'm, the I'm, other side of it. But I'm trying but, to understand where you understand that point. I'm saying I'm guessing at, at that point. I'm not saying I fully understand it. I, what I'm saying is I, I see what they're trying to do of the what historically we've done with pitchers. You wait when you're when you're not necessarily one piece away, right? But if you're in that situation where you've got a guy that's He's ready to go. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. And he is going to be your potentially ace of the future, right? John Means, we don't know what the fuck's going on with John Means. John Means is out the window at this point. He's a giant question mark, which means Grayson Rodriguez is your ace of the future. There is. Even with there John is, Means, he would be your ace <laughs> of the future. Yeah, yeah. It's a out of the mouth. Maybe not in year one or year two, but he's going to well, be your ace. John Means didn't get hurt this year and has another year like he did before. He wouldn't have. When did he have a year no without the injury? Every year he's had an injury. That's the problem with John Means. He can't stay healthy. I, I understand that. But my whole point is, is he had the injury and he still almost was in the rookie of the year voting. No, I get that. But got to so, stay on the field. I, no, I'm not disagreeing with that. What I'm what I'm saying is that there's, there's people that view things that way. That they say, again, I'm not agreeing with it. Don't like it. But there's people that view things in that historic context of baseball. The traditional side of baseball. He went through tradition. He went single A, double A, triple A. Next progression is major leagues. What are we doing? What I'm talking about is when you're on the precipice of a team that is trying to make that hump. They're trying to make that leap, right? They're saying, we know he's ready. We can flip him on. Let's get let these other guys come together, and then we'll flip it on. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not. I'm trying to guess that that's what I think they're thinking. I just... It's that a, that it's line old... of thinking makes zero sense to me. 
And I haven't heard anybody that's been able you to make it make sense. You want to know why I think it makes zero sense to, to us? And this is just me spitting off it, right here. This isn't me just as an Oreo fan saying, I want the best of the best here, and I just want to see him because, you know, he's like the shiny new toy that we haven't seen yet. It's not it. It's He's earned it. He's done everything that he can. The D.L. Hall thing, I understand the argument there, right? He He's shown dominance in his ability to strike guys out, but – He's still catching too much of the plate. He's his ERA is at like five something right now. Yeah, but you could have so said the D. same thing Hall, about Bradish. So that's that argument's no, nullified. Bradish was Bradish's ERA was not at five. He was at four and a half. It's no, close it enough to five. He was at three. Bradish's right, ERA. I'll look at it. it. So my point, my point is, DL Hall. I understand pumping the brakes on him. I know everybody wants to see him here, and he's exciting. A left-handed pitcher that can throw almost hundred mile an hour. That's oh, yeah. super exciting, right? Pump the brakes on him because developmental-wise, he needs he needs a little bit more time. Grayson Rodriguez has nothing left to prove. A two-something ERA. He's pitching 90 pitches a game now. He's doing everything he can do. He's got he, his whip is like below one. I mean, there's something. It's like right around one. It's nothing. Yeah. He's done everything he can do. I, I'm not That's again. Point. Again, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just I, I'm trying to get into the in the mind of why you wouldn't. And I'm I struggle with that as well. Is my point. I'm struggling Miss you with that, too, Garnett. Why aren't you around anymore, my, I know, my bro. guy? What's I been know, going man. on? Uh yeah. My I, man, I my man made it for the mock draft and kind of went quiet. Yeah, he did. Now nah, he's working <laughs> with other things. He's got his own things going <laughs> yeah. on with it. Uh, uh, but again, it's so it, to to, to prove that uh this is why I hate having him at triple A. He got pulled after throwing a pitch in the sixth inning. And it was a fastball that only registered 89, so I decided to take the Twitter. Uh, you can't go to the conclusions. It doesn't mean it's the worst thing. There was a conversation with the trainer and Buckle on the Wait, mound. wait, wait, wait. What are, Grayson. Who? Grayson got hurt. Today? He came out of the game in the sixth inning. Today. He's starting tonight. So he came out of the game in the sixth inning. They... Uh, <sighs> No, no word yet. Obviously, it literally just happened. You getting upset? It could, it could have happened here too. Like, then let it happen here. It's, just, it's a but waste of fucking time Scott, in, Scott, in the minors. You cannot come fucking on. say if he would have come up, if he would have come up on Friday and made his first start and got pulled after six because of arm soreness, you'd have said, "Oh, what the fuck? Why did we bring him up? This happened here." It, it's a waste. You can of flip time it any which way. way. He, that, anyway. that was my point last week. If he's going to get hurt. It can happen at AAA. It can happen here. You were saying last week, your words, when he gets here, he's going to pull back a little bit more and want to do a little bit more because he's going to want to be better and he's going to want to stay. Right. He's going to do all those things. But my point to you was that shit can happen anywhere. And if it did happen tonight, that's really bad Again, news. I was saying what, what you heard out of Michael Elias last week. Again, I uh, for the record, I have said I agree with what you guys have said. I'm always the guy that tries to look at the other side of the fence to make this an interesting conversation. No, There's three <laughs> guys that. agreeing on what's going on. <laughs> I, I struggle with finding the reason. But, you know, your first reaction was shaking your head like they left him down. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't that they what? left him down there. It was just it, I was dealing with. Holy fuck! Our top prospect is now potentially hurt. That had nothing to do with like. Okay. That, that was you all thinking. Right. That's where my head was at. That's not where my head was. All at. right. Well, good. Good. I'm glad that. Glad we <laughs> clarified that. Uh, but all right. So now that we've kind of talked that over, let's go to the guy that we did bring up that we have been getting excited about, and that's Adley. Yeah. Right. He is here. We talked about catching his first career shutout on Monday. Exciting little piece. For catcher to, to, to be able to call a game like that means you're calling the right pitches and only give up four hits. Yeah. Right pitches. You're getting the pitcher to trust his stuff. It worked. And that was what? Zimmerman that pitched that night? Yeah. Was it Zimmerman? Okay. So Adley in his first few weeks, overall, 
I think he's been impressive. And it, the, the players that have been on the team have also said he's as advertised to them. Here's so you got people that know the game and people that watch the games. And then you got people that look at the stat board. If you look at the stat board, his average is not very good right now. No, those are the people agreed. that aren't watching the game. And those are the people that want to voice their opinions on fucking Twitter and say shit. Why is he smiling? He said he had a secret opinion. He's oh, no, 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 no. You've got time for that. We'll, we'll say that okay. for the end of the order. Okay. So you've got it's those not people. Adley related. Okay. All right. No, <laughs> Adley could do no wrong for this guy. <laughs> okay, good. So, so you've got those people that just look at the stat book and they say, oh, well, he's not hitting for shit. He, we, we, he's a bust and all this stuff. I've heard bust already on social media yeah. and I want to blow my brains out. What are we I'll talking blow about? Your brains out. I want to blow their brains out. What are we doing? <laughs> the, guy, the, guy is, yeah, the guy is doing everything right. He's making. Solid contact. Yeah. He's working the counts, going deep into counts, right? He's hitting the ball hard. Everything that we've seen is like 95 plus off the bat, bat speed. We've seen 101, 107. We've seen hard hits off the yeah. bat. And he's doing it from both sides of the plate. So he's, he's doing what we expect. Eventually, those hits are going to fall through. Eventually, when he calms down, he gets that first home run over the wall. We'll see the power come into it. He's calling a good game, right? He He's doing what we'd expect him to do. Of course, we all ex wanted him to come in and hit 300 right away, hit four or five bombs in his first week. That'd be ideal. That would be great, and it'd be all over ESPN. That's not reality right now, but you can't label this guy a bust in a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it's been that he's been here. Let this kid get comfortable. Let him learn yeah. the staff. And he'll be fine. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, to your point, it's only a week. And, and people are happy with him, right? Uh, Kyle Stowers, who's obviously down, still down in the minors, he says he's the real deal in every sense of who he is. You could just start with his performance on the field as a catcher and everything off the field. He's just so steady, same guy every day. That's what we've heard. We continue to hear. Tyler Wells, in reference to him meeting the pitchers, you talked, you talked about that, yep. right? Tyler Wells said, honestly, it's kind of a nice touch. It definitely builds that bond between pitcher and catcher. Yep. That's what a catcher is supposed to be doing. Awesome. But look, it's also caught the 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 eye of the vets. Chirinos, the guy that was the stopgap that we are now seeing was the stopgap and, and becomes the backup catcher. He says just how humble he is. He's been thrust into the role. I mean, number one prospect in the minor leagues, and he's not having that with him, meaning it's not getting to his head. Yep. He wants to get better, and he's asking the questions. He came to me today asking how we attacked them in the past, and he wants to learn. That's the only thing you ask from a young player in the league, willing to listen to people that have been there and have done it before, and he's doing that. That's cool to watch. So I've seen that firsthand. I've seen him in the dugout with the iPad, watching his at-bats, watching pitchers, watching, you know, and this is during the game. Yeah. All this research that usually goes into, like, watching your opponent and watching what you're doing wrong usually happens on the bus, happens on the plane ride, happens in the, you know, pregame or postgame, that kind of stuff. This guy is like the quarterback on the sideline that you see. You know, he pulls out the iPad and he watches how that play went wrong and he sees what he what he didn't see or what he missed. That's what we're seeing out of Adley Rutschman at the major league level in baseball. You don't see that often. Uh, and that just goes to speak to, to show how much, how great he wants yeah. to be, right? He's a perfectionist in a lot of ways. Go ahead, Drew. So you compare him to a bunch of guys that all came up before him. Granted, like we said, we always see would have been the star on opening day. Uh, Julio Rodriguez with the Mariners, who they're playing this week. Yeah. 
he was batting like 206 for his first full month. Bobby Wood Jr., 216, first full month. Spencer Torkelson, 191, first full month. C.J. Abrams already sent back down. Baseball is fucking hard. Yeah, yeah it right. is not easy. You only succeed uh, one out of every three times. I know. I don't know much about what I don't know much about what Torkelson's done like the last month or so. But Bobby Witt's come around. You're comparing, yeah, you're making Julio the Rodriguez has come around. He had a good game yesterday. He had an infield single for an RBI tonight. So you know what I mean? Like it's ten games. It, you can't. Yeah. And and they're talking talking about that too, right? Those guys, and I'd be curious to see the numbers of their walk numbers versus his because yeah, he's, like that, he's yeah. patient. And actually, Brandon Hyde said Adley is somebody that's always seen a lot of pitches in the minor leagues, always walked. We've seen the ability to foul off pitches in spring, spring training also, but you never know until you get here. I thought he was going to be a little jumpy and overexcited. His at-bats have been really good. He's seen a ton of pitches at every at-bat. He's ready to hit. He's laying off pitches outside the strike zone right now. The numbers are going to be there because of all of that. And I think that's part of just who Adley is, but I also think that's large part in the player development because we're also seeing this uh, as far as the, the the patient approach with guys that are down the minors. We're seeing it with Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson's got more walks than he has strikeouts, right? He's he like You're seeing it through all the different levels yep. right now. Uh, so this just speaks volumes of what the total picture of what Mike Elias's changes in the organization are doing. You're finally starting to see that pay off. And again, Adley's doing the right things, making the contact, working the counts. He's walking. He's doing everything he's supposed to. He'll find the holes, and those balls will start going and flying out of the stadium. He just needs to get comfortable. And it was a great point, Drew, in bringing that one, up with those one home guys. run can literally one yeah. home run changes it. One home run can literally just the guy has like a 10, 12, 15 game hitting streak behind it, just like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I did want to bring up because I thought it was pretty cool. This is like the nostalgia in me. That's kind of like wow, that would be. I, I, I'm jealous, right? Uh, so upon their arrival to Fenway on Friday, when they had that Apple TV Plus game, right? Small group of Orioles congregated around Rutschman's locker and on their docket before starting that come from behind win was entering the the green monster, that hallowed stanchion, and being able to do the tradition of visiting ballplayers where they placing their name on the green monster. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. Like that's that's something I would always love to do. I would love to go on a tour. Uh, of Fenway Park. Like, I've been to Fenway Park one yeah. time. It is not a comfortable stadium to sit in the seats. It's <laughs> no. awful. Have That's you seen that. the left field seats? They it's, literally it's face terrible. the green monster. I'm going to tell you now, it's yeah, not made center for almost field, a... Center field, you're facing the stands and yeah. behind first base. It's yeah. ridiculous. The sight lines are terrible. The seats are uncomfortable. But you do, you get a, a sense of, like, Man, this is history. This is baseball history yeah. when you it's walk in there. It's hallowed grounds. It's, it's hallowed grounds. Yeah. But I've never done the tour, and they do have those tours where you can walk through and you can yeah. see all those. It reminds me because it's similar but not similar. So I went on a tour of M&T Bank Stadium, mm-hmm. and down in the locker room, between the locker room and the training facility, they have this they have this room where a lot of the families meet, a lot of the parents meet, or like the, the parents yeah. and the wives and all that stuff, they meet while the players are getting dressed and coming out. And in that room, it's literally just a white brick wall the the whole way around, and it's nothing but autographs. And when I went in there, you've got, you know, the Manning brothers are on there. There's all oh, wow. these players and, and like history in there. These all these names, right? <laughs> What's funny is uh, there was this one name. They were probably nine foot ceilings, I would say, in that room. 
And there was this one signature that was all the way up, like right by the ceiling tile. I'm like, who the fuck wrote all the way up there? Who stood on a chair, right? So I got up to look at it, and I'm like, it was George Mirasan. Do you remember him? <laughs> Do you remember him? So he yeah, was, he was crazy. He was a wizard Holy or a, a bullet yeah, back in the bullet. day. Yeah. He's seven foot seven, and I guess he must have gone in there at some point and signed his name. Really but that was crazy. probably fucking eye level right, for him, like, yeah. right? <laughs> it was easy. It was funny. Somebody oh, else touch it. Go man. ahead, find out. Right. Yeah. No, I just thought it was really cool. You know, is he apparently one of those pinch me moments for them? Yeah, was, that is cool. He was actually joined by. Uh, Kyle Bradish, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Brian Baker, a few others um, that were able to go in there and, and really just kind of, I think a moment like that, you think back to that game, right? And it was, it was like, I feel like it could have been movie-esque where like somebody in the dugout goes, we're down guys, but we're not out. Right. Right. We're on the hollow grounds. We can do this. Like right. that type of, that whole feel, right? Rookie of the year or um what was the other one? Uh, uh little little big league. Yeah. Right? Like all those those type of things as you think back to those those moments uh and thinking about being those th- those in so those situations as such a young kid. So probably really cool to see. One question I did want to ask you guys. Okay. What career first that Adley hasn't accomplished yet? Right, so he's gotten a triple, got a double, or got a, I'm sorry, got a triple, got a single. Um, he's gotten the the catch of the, the uh, shutout at this point now. Which career accomplishment are you most looking forward to? There's a few out there that like you know, obviously his first homer, his first double, first RBI. Uh, first base dealer thrown out. He hasn't done that yet. That was going to actually be my play there. And, yeah, and I, no I, hitter. Crazily, I wonder why. Me too. Oh, yeah, you can say home run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can say home run, duh, but right. like that would be, yeah. Because yeah, uh, he's, he's heralded as one of the yeah. best throwing catchers to come up in a long time. Yeah. I want to see somebody test him. I want to see somebody test him and him get that throw. He had he had one throw that was off the mark a good bit. Uh, that kind of was like, oh, shit, that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but I would love to see that happen. I think once those couple of firsts happen, yeah. man, things are really going to open up for him. He'll, he'll reach another lever to comfort, and things will be fine. At one point, his arm was – there were not quite comps, but like similar comps to Yachty. That's, I mean, that's if he's you're gonna, still fucking playing baseball. and still throwing people the fuck out. It's oh, insane to yeah, me. I watched him run though. It's hitting. It's you know, hitting catchers, catchers. You see him pitch. You get later in your career with a catcher with his bad knees. You can't run real well. He was on first base and somebody hit a, you know, a ball to the gap and he was trying to go first to third. Boy, it, <laughs> it, wasn't it pretty. looked painful for him running to try to get to third. All right, so we got something here in the outline, and you and I have no clue what the fuck's going on. So, oh, yeah, Drew, yeah. what the fuck is All your right. secret opinion All here right. that's like you say is is going to be game changing for us, or we're not going? It's going to be unpopular. Uh, okay, so at what point? And uh, we're at this point in the season. It's June. We talk about we always talk about stuff like, oh, well, what time does this guy come up? When does this guy come up? What do you do about this guy? When's this guy going? You know. It, July comes around. Is this guy traded? Is that guy traded? So I came up with something, and uh, I guess I'll let you guys react to the question I'm going to ask. Appreciate it, Steve. Before uh, I get into depth with it. So at what point do we start thinking to ourselves, is it time for a new leadoff hitter? Oh, man. I'm not saying. I don't want to answer this. I'm not saying. So I could get his reaction. Uh, Okay, so. So listen. Okay, my point. I'm not saying. This is my son. I'm not saying 
I'm I'm not done with Mullins. This isn't a, even a trash talk no, of, of Mullins in any way. But it's not the fact even that you're hitting like 240. But you're striking out. Some of these strikeouts look so weak. Yeah. And it sucks because, I mean. It looks like he's not seeing them When he gets well. on, he's like, he already has like 10 or 11 steals. Right. So that was a 30-30. I, I, at this point, I, you'd have to really have a tear of home runs to pull back-to-back 30-30s in my mind watching him. So it isn't the fact. I'm not saying you, it, you, you set such a high last year. It is kind of hard to think that you're going to do that every year unless you are really an upper echelon player. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But it's just it's the strikeouts. The yeah. strikeouts look weak. Look like you not not I don't want to say like not uninterested because it's not true, but like it just seems like maybe you're just trying to get a, a B's over sometimes. Like at what point I'm not and I maybe I don't know who who could be. So that's why I'm, it's just a thought. So, so maybe you have someone in mind. So here's the thing. Like I'm open to it. And I'm open to it for multiple reasons because I've I've said this before. I think the leadoff hitter is more underrated than a lot of people give it credit. And it's a for. lot more pressure than a lot of people give. And it that's credit my for. so that's where I was going. I think making a move to help take some of that pressure off of Cedric, moving him down the lineup, even if it means hitting him two, or if it does mean dropping him to eight or nine, whatever it is. Taking that pressure off of him, being the leadoff, being the table setter, being the guy who's asked to work the counts, who's you know the first guy to see the first pitch of the game, all that stuff, right? I think makes sense, especially with his struggles right now. But you got to have that guy to replace him. You don't want to make a move for the sake of making a move. If you're going to make that move, there's really only two guys that you could argue make sense from a traditional leadoff standpoint. That would be Austin Hayes because Austin Hayes has the same type of speed and, you know, he's hitting really well right now. He's, 18 walks so far this got, season. Exactly. He's got 18 walks. Um, and then the other guy would be Mateo. And the only reason I say Mateo is because of the speed, right? If he gets on base, he could turn, a, you know, a walk or a single into a double pretty much every time if he wanted to, right? But his batting average just isn't there. He's not a contact guy. He's just yeah. not very very good. So those are the only two guys from a traditional leadoff standpoint. Could they do the Marcakis approach and put, like, Trey Mancini there where, you know, Trey Mancini's got the best average on the team, but he's the slowest guy on the team. Marcakis wasn't the slowest, but he wasn't the fastest. That's for <laughs> I mean, sure. As long as they need to move, like, put Chris Davis in the leadoff. Yeah, right. No, definitely not doing that. Like, um, so I, that could be the approach. It, I like it. It's something that had actually kind of been on my mind last week, but we rambled. So yeah. it was something I was going to throw out. And then, like, there's there was a few instances during the last since the last show where it was just like I said, I'm not I'm not dogging him in any way. I'm not sitting there already like shoving him down because he's had bright spots too. Like I said, when he gets on base, he's still fast as shit. Right. It's just to me, it's like it's the strikeouts. Like I can I can forgive your leadoff guy hitting two fifty. Mm-hmm. But I can't forgive it if you're not really walking and you're striking out a lot. I agree. With that, that means because it means a low average still means you're 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 making a lot of contact because you could be like Trey Mancini for the first up until like a few weeks ago. God damn! And even still, what he has been hitting, right? It's right at someone. Like it, it, I haven't really even seen that from 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 Mullins. Yeah, heard it's, about it's pretty know. stark. You know, I'll be honest with you. You know, guys, I, I've been high on Cedric Mullins since he was down in Bowie because that's the first time I saw him. So, oh, you been, so you didn't care about him when he was born. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't until he's making me money. <laughs> uh, so I've always been a Cedric Mullins fan. And I thought the transition from him giving up switch hitting and being a traditional left, you know, just a left-handed hitter 
was a very smart move for him career-wise. 100%. And obviously, last year, it paid off dividends. I mean, he the 30 for 30, his average was over 300 the entire year. I even thought last year, at some point, that over 300 average was a little bit false hope. I thought, eh, he's probably more of that 270 to 280 guy. That's probably where he'll end up being. So... I never f- expected Mullins to come back and repeat what he did last year. Never expected that. I expect him to be a 270-280 hitter, and he's not that right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that. He's that 240 guy, and that that is a problem. So if the answer is to move him, to get him hitting better, and to get him seeing the ball better, I'm good with that. It's just, again, it's got to be the right guy. And I think Austin Hayes probably makes the most sense out of that was, that was it, That was my answer, too. If like, you're, I don't know Hayes. if Mateo's consistent enough. Hayes has proven yeah. he has. He had that little blip coming back, trying to get used to the the, you know, the hand, but now it seems like last handful of games, he's got that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I think I would tend to agree with you. If you're going to do it, it's Hayes. It's also, you know, it's still, we just finished May. Right. Right? It, it's two months into the season. He did start off hot. Yeah. He started off hot. He got cold. Let's see. Let's Let's give it till mid-June. Let's see if he's if he's finding it if he's getting patience. I have I do agree with you. One of the things I think he's doing, I think he's overswinging. I think the thirty home runs kind of maybe adjusted his swing a little bit. I think it's it he needs to get back to making contact first, power later. Part of it could be contract related too, because if there's putting a little bit more pressure on him to repeat what he did last year, so that he can say, hey, this wasn't a fluke. This yeah, is who I am. 100%, 100%. My next contract's going to pay me a lot of money and set me and my family for the rest which of our leads, lives. Which leads to overswinging, right? A- exactly. And, and, and that's, I agree. That's, that's, that's kind of where I think it is. So I, I'm, I'm not, I think we need to pump the brakes on that just well, a little I, bit. I think we, I think I, we do, but it, it ha- it's been over 200 at-bats. It's not 110. Like, back, but did back he not, home runs. Did he not two. start off hot? Right, Here, guys same. go through. Guys go through this. It happens. If he turns around and you and he turns around and stays and starting tonight or tomorrow starts hitting the ball, and all of a sudden by the end of June he's hitting two sixty, two seventy. So like, so Sean says, let's point. not jump the gun on said. It's still early on in the year. Yeah. Nope, nobody's jumping the gun on him saying that you know he won't be what he was last year or that he doesn't he shouldn't be in the lineup. You're, t- you're talking about trying to get pressure. You're off trying him. to figure out a way to t- turn the turn things it, around. Like for I said, him. like my like even then, my biggest issue isn't the average; it's the strikeouts because yeah. a lot of the strikeouts it's just just they look bad. God were you damn, swinging. Agreed. Guys. So by the way, like, uh, I've got it pulled up. Back-to-back homers. I think I think it was James that put it in there. Back-to-back yeah. homers. Route Castle hit a home run, followed by Ramon Urias. Urias, wow. And Trey, Trey hit one. Damn, like I thought double. you were going to say Adley. Trey had a leadoff double and hit the top of the damn wall. Out Did it? So he must have hit to the shallower part. So uh, one other thing in our yeah. group chat. Uh, hey, man, they might be turning that corner because the Yos were on Jeopardy tonight. Oh, I did. I saw this the, in our group the chat. The question, oh, I had to pull it up. Uh, the question they was... Were- it the was, Orioles were a topic on Jeopardy. Yeah, I got it. On Jeopardy. Traditionally, there you go. Traditionally, home fans of this AL East team give particular emphasis to yelling "O" oh, during the national anthem. <laughs> That's it, pretty cool. It ain't the Nationals. <laughs> seconds each it's time for the two minute warning 
All right, fellas, it's time for the two-minute warning. I'm excited for this one. This actually got cut two topics that I'm excited to talk about. We don't really it's talk gonna, about No, we don't, talk, we don't talk about one of them, and the other one is just uh, nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. All right, Drew, kick it off. Uh, with the new 2023 Madden cover being announced, uh, clear-cut, perfect way to do it, honoring and paying homage to the late, great John Madden himself. Yeah. Which uh, which Madden title was your favorite, or was it another football video game of all time? That was your favorite? So for me, I love Madden. I love the Madden series. I, I am one of those guys that's like, God, can we can we get a little bit better? Can we get a little bit more? Pro-? It's been the same product now for the last ten years. It feels like, but for me, the the greatest game of all time, football related. Is gonna show my age. Tecmo Super Bowl when I, for for NES <laughs> okay. the original. I okay. absolutely love that you game. You old worst. I am so old. It was the worst <laughs> game as far as graphics go, but it was so fun. You could throw a touchdown with Joe Montana from one end zone to the other. That's <laughs> yeah. great. That was a good one. Uh, for me, I, I I do love the Madden series, but I gotta throw it back to my N sixty four days. Uh, with good old NFL Blitz 2000. Oh, yes. Hell yeah. He's on Great. fire. Great <laughs> NFL Blitz. Being able to hit guys after the, NFL, after the whistle and everything. Yeah. NFL Street was fun, too. Uh, yeah, yes. there you go. There you uh, go. NBA Finals tip off tomorrow night. Warriors are looking for their fourth title in eight years. Celtics looking for their first title since 2008. We got... This one, uh, it's tough because I really do like what the Celtics are doing as a team. I think they're, you know, they are, they could compete in the West. If they were in the West, I think they'd be a two or three seed in that, in that conference. But when you got a three, you know, a threesome of, of Clay Tom, Clay Thompson and, and, uh, Stephen Curry and Draymond Green, which Draymond is kind of the modern day Dennis Rodman defensively, uh, I look Golden State's just a really good team. I think they win it. Oh, look, I don't disagree. Golden State's been here before. They've proven it before. They're kind of, you know, four times in eight years, once every other year, basically. Yeah. You know, you, you start to kind of put the the D word in there a little bit of dynasty, right, type type situation, especially with te- Steph Curry leading. But you know what? I, I, the youth of this Celtics team and Jason Tatum, the way he's played, Marcus Smart, the way he's he's come out. and, and They're a good the team. Jason Tatum is unreal. And Williams with the rebounds. Uh, I got Celtics in seven. Celtics and seven. Wow. All right. Didn't expect that one from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you tuning in as always. Uh, it's last call for alcohol. Make sure you guys stay tuned for the after hours. Uh, any questions that you have? A few get topics those, to talk about, too. Get those in the in the comments now. We'll try to answer them in the after hours. Oh, it's kind of an early show for us. NFL for 2K once. on Dreamcast. Oh, that was oh, a good that one. that was good. good, good Randy, Moss, Randy Moss was Dreamcast, a beast in that yeah. one. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the social medias if you haven't done it already we're on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook you can follow us at all of our ats on Twitter as well uh, if you haven't hit like or hit subscribe on YouTube yet do that if hit you haven't that little hit, bell if you haven't hit like on Facebook yet do that for us uh, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this through the, uh, the audio podcast as well we will be back next Tuesday night. We apologize again for the uh, the delay this week. It was just Memorial Day week, and we had a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, 730, as always. For Fred, Scott, Drew, James, and Ryan, who are out and about doing their own thing, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. See ya.